fortunate to have very good mentors and um, a very good support system uh, that I found here in Edmonton. And they helped me sail through this. And uh, I think my biggest strength during that time was my was my family and my two kids. This podcast is brought to you by Dentons, the world's largest law firm with a global team that builds agile, tailored solutions to meet the local, national, and global needs of private and public clients of any size in 183 locations serving 75 countries. Hi everyone, my name is Heather Barnhouse, partner and lawyer in our Edmonton office. Welcome to my podcast where I explore the topic of women in entrepreneurship and leadership and the ecosystem supporting the growth of this segment. Today I'm joined by Miral Mehta, founder and chief executive officer of Geodesic Innovations Inc. I'm excited to talk to her today about her views on overcoming adversities in the entrepreneurial journey. Welcome Miral. Hi Heather, thank you so much for having me here today. Oh, it's our pleasure. Can you give our listeners just a bit of background about yourself and about what Geodesic Innovations is up to? For sure. I'm an ophthalmologist. Um, I trained in India and I am sitting here in Edmonton since last four years now. And um, that was the same time when I also founded my company, Geodesic Innovations, through which I'm trying to bring exponential technology to solve healthcare-related problems. And um, mental health was one of my areas of focus. And uh, I think the second main major area of focus for me is uh, telemedicine. Now that with the Mm -hmm. pandemic, um, virtual medicine and um, in-person healthcare is is the norm. And it is going to remain that way. Um, That is why I'm trying to build a digital health ID, which can kind of help patients and doctors at the same time. That's very exciting. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean by a digital ID? Uh, so uh, a digital ID means that it is a very uh, secure and encrypted file uh, in the most simplest language uh, that stores all your relevant health information in one place. Um, oh. I know in Alberta we have NetCare and like uh, other places where all of our health records are stored. But yep. with... Uh, Digital health ID, what we're trying to do is make it into a very uh, small little file that can be stored in a ledger in such a way that a patient, like if I'm uh, consulting a telemedicine, um, a platform, a doctor on telemedicine platform, I'm able to share that file securely for a one-time view-only access with the doctor. Oh, okay. Because doctors are busy as well, and we don't have time to go through all all the records, right? uh, Right. We, we want them to be able to um, use the inf- my medical history information to be able to diagnose me correctly, treat me correctly, reduce the adverse outcomes. Huh. That's quite a, that's fascinating. Um, but that's quite a shift from the ophthalmology training that you had. How did you, how did you make that switch? <laughs> that's true. Um, uh, I get asked this uh, question quite a bit. So being trained in India when you come to Canada, um, there is a, a, a disconnect between like what the, the government needs and what the regulatory body needs, right? It is something that uh, that I figured out after coming here that, well, even though they do need ophthalmologists, the way to get into practice over here, there are too many regulations and too many hoops to go around to be able to practice. That process ah. itself for me was very long. So I think that process uh, during that time when it took me about, say, 
three to four years to go through that process. That's when I felt that I had a lot of time and energy and uh, to keep myself uh, sane, I had to work on something else as well. It, it, it's difficult, right? Like, and, and I think a lot of us, um, uh, everybody has their own way of coping. And I would say uh, my way of coping with the difficult situation at that point in time was to challenge myself to learn something new. So that's how I think I got into the field of technology because I learned exponential technologies. I learned about coding. I learned IT uh, during the, those years. And while learning that, I think it was a natural flow for me to want to implement my new learning in the field of medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. There's not, uh, I mean, every, all entrepreneurs come to their path in very different ways, but uh, that's a very interesting um a very interesting insight about sort of how you cope with the difference, the differences in, in you know, regulatory and cultural uh, distinctions between being able to practice in one country versus another and sort of taking it out, taking your frustrations out on on learning a, a new thing that, that you really had no no experience with. So uh, good, good for you. That's that's really inspirational. I want to ask you a few things about your entrepreneurial journey and the first question that I want to ask you is, as an entrepreneur, so, you know, not your medical hat, but wearing your entrepreneur hat, what do you think the most important skills are for being successful? What are the skills or strengths that have helped you along the way? I think uh, wearing your entrepreneurial hat for the first time, uh, it does bring its own challenges. The things that helped me the most during that time, I would say, is resilience and optimism. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm a diehard optimist. I think uh, that helped me sail through the process. But at the yeah. same time, um, resilience was very important because uh, being an entrepreneur, being a female entrepreneur at that, and also uh, not from the technology field, you are told this so many times that, uh, hey, why don't you just focus on your medical practice? You are not an expert right. in this. You don't need to do this, Right. But I think for me, the passion to make a difference and the passion to make a social impact was greater than my ability to be bogged down by any of these uh, difficulties. So I think uh, those are the two important things that I would say any entrepreneur needs. Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting about that is that, you know, that when you talk about the passion for making a difference and the passion for sort of moving incrementally the needle on on these projects that you're passionate about in healthcare and helping people, obviously those are those qualities are, are you would hope, um, sort of core to being a physician as well. And so I guess it's not really, when you think of it that way, it's not really that much of a stretch because some of those values that you at least hope that the medical community have, um, you're able to still, you know, get some, some, you know, some, some strength from those in, in this other domain. Um, what kind of adversities have you experienced on your journey? There are many. I can, I can, I think, uh, I cannot even count on the tip of my fingers. But I think um, the most common uh, ones that come to my mind right now are one was the fact that my education not being recognized over here and that itself puts yeah. you down. I feel like, of course, where am I? Right? Like because yeah, yeah, you're practicing there as a, as a, as an and when you come here and they say that well, your degree is not recognized. It puts you out of the picture completely. You you don't know where to begin. So the, the most uh, biggest challenge that I I I think I uh, I faced 
I was fortunate to have very good mentors and um, a very good support system uh, that I found here in Edmonton. And they helped me sail through this. And uh, I think my biggest strength during that time was my was my family and my two kids. Uh, mm. And um, I think the, the other adversity that, that I, I faced was the fact that, okay, after I got my medical license, now that I have found my passion in other areas of medicine, like mental health and like digital health or telemedicine, the adversities that you face there is that is the way people look at you as a female medical practitioner trying to venture into entrepreneurship. I would say, um, I mean, pretty much everybody must have gone through some sort of bureaucracy um, in, at different stages of their career. But I think um, for me, it was shocking because I come from India where it, you know, bureaucracy is at a different scale altogether. And I right, was right. very uh, naively thinking that I would not face a problem like that over here. Oh, oh, interesting. Interesting. So it, it, it almost sounds like what you're describing is some challenges with, you know, navigation, some challenges with navigating. How do you, how do you get from where you were? How, how do you get from, you know, being recognized and having that established practice in India uh, and transplanting yourself to a new location, and how do you navigate the system to sort of try to get back to parity to where you were? But that that may or may not actually be possible, depending on the you know the the individual and the, and the circumstances. Hmm. Talking about the the India factor, you you were educated in India and 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 you practiced there as well, correct? Before you moved to Canada, I did. So what what's one thing that or one or more things that you wish you had known when you moved here? What would have made that transition a bit easier for you or for somebody like you? I think one of the biggest things, as I mentioned in the previous, about bureaucracy, like if I knew Mm -hmm. about at least one or two of the problems that I might face when I come here, I would have been better prepared for that. And secondly, the fact that uh, just because you're sitting there getting a PR without any effort, because there is a need for ophthalmologists in Canada, um, it does not mean that it will translate uh, into you getting into the medical yeah. practice or the way just because there is a need. When these government policies and the regulatory bodies, when they do not talk and then there is um, there's a disconnect between what the where there is a need uh, in terms of, say, medical professionals or any other professionals for that matter. I'm pretty sure a lot of immigrants who come to Canada, they come here with the hope that they would get into the workforce pretty quickly just because right. there is a need for that, that kind of a professional. Um, yeah. But it is not that simple. There are always regulations or there is some kind of bureaucracy as well that you need to navigate through to be able to get into the workforce. If mm-hmm. you persist, it will happen. But I think if I knew it beforehand, I would be better prepared mentally to take on the challenge. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, I think, I think that's a, a really keen insight that... It is possible. It's certainly possible to navigate these these bumps in the road and to figure it out. But that there's a very big mental uh, energy, a big amount of en- energy required to do that, more so than you know maybe what seems uh, proportionate for for where you ultimately want to end up. Like I'm sure that there's a lot of people who who just can't sort of muster that amount of energy to jump through those hoops, and and it seems like it's a really big obstacle that's not easily able to be overcome. Exactly. And like, I was fortunate to have um, enough economic 
mental uh, like um, and emotional support system so that uh, I knew that I this is where I want to go and this is the kind of work that I want to do after I move here that even yeah. if it took longer for me I was still able to survive through that people have to think right. about the economical implications of the longer wait yeah and of course those can be very different for you know people in different circumstances for different industries different professions and the obviously the regulatory pathway while there's some similarities there it's very nuanced depending on what what profession you're hoping to um, get get back into or to be able to translate your your credentials from another um, country into into what is recognized here. What advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a path similar to yours? And I'm curious whether that's the same advice that you would give to your younger self. I think uh, the most important advice that I would give would be that you have to be resilient and keep your eyes on the goal. The path may be faster, the path may be slower, but if you have your eyes on where you want to get at the end, um, it, you will always find the strength to navigate. So now that you've moved um, into into the innovation side and working on, as you talked about this project related to the, the digital ID, are you still balancing some 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 clinical practice with with the in software innovation, or have you moved entirely away from the clinical practice at this point? Uh, no, I am balancing both. So I am uh, still practicing ophthalmology here in Edmonton. In fact, I am in the process of setting up my own uh, integrated eye care clinic, um, oh, which is like a one-stop shop. What which is like a one-stop shop for all patients. And uh, simultaneously, I am uh, working on Atom Health, that is my digital health ID platform as well. It, it definitely helps to have like a good team with you to be able of to course. Uh, create everything that you want to. And uh, um, I do have very good team members and I am looking for more as well. Oh, well, that's, uh, that's great. And it probably is nice to be able to fall back to one or the other and keep both sides of that, uh, that passion project alive. Uh, I would say more than uh, more than like a plan B kind of a thing for me. These are both right. uh, things that I want to achieve. By doing this, I think I want to uh, set an example for my children that you are not bound by your education. You are not mm. bound by by the limits that the society sets on you. Uh, whatever you can dream of, you can do it. Ah, that's a very inspirational message, especially for little ones. Talking about sort of inspirational messages or, or uh, you know, myths that we want to, uh, to, to, to defy or debunk, do you have a, a common myth or a common, uh, I don't know, com- complaint about being a female entrepreneur that you want to set the record straight on? I think one of the common myths that uh, people hold in their minds about female entrepreneurs is that uh, because she's a female entrepreneur, um, she's not completely committed to it uh, because she might have family to look after. This is one of the impressions that I get from a lot of investors and a lot of uh, advisors as well, that are you sure that this is what you're going to do? This is one of the most common myths that I want to debunk, that being a female does not mean that we are not committed to our projects or to our work. In fact, we are more committed than what a male uh, could be because we are multitaskers and uh, uh, we have higher resilience than men. Yeah, hopefully this helps uh, people unpack this. Yeah, hopefully the fact that uh, people will hear this and think about that will uh, shift their thinking about that myth as well. 
Interesting. So what can we expect next from Geodesic Innovations and where can our listeners find out more about about the company? We are um, opening up our pre-registration process for patients and for doctors. I'm launching the website um, www.atomhealth.ca, A-T-O-M health.ca. Mm-hmm. And um, what we're doing with that is um, we are uh, opening up the sign-up process for patients and for physicians. We are collaborating with physicians right now so that the patients can start creating their uh, unique signature IDs or their unique digital IDs uh, on the platform. And I look forward to reaching out to as many people as I can uh, to onboard as early adopters or early users. Well, that's exciting. Um, so that website again, www.atomatom.ca? Atomhealth.ca. Oh, sorry, atomhealth.ca. Well, great. Well, we certainly look forward to following the progress and learning about uh, how this is implemented in Alberta and then hopefully beyond Alberta from there. Thank you for having me here today. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you for joining the podcast today. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe or follow to get notified when we have an update.